Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I am talking to a troublemaker, a business maker. This lady is going to be so much fun today. I'm really excited to have her on the show. So let me welcome Carrie Davis. She is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Fortress. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you, Lance. I'm really excited to be here. Okay, we're going to get into the troublemaking part here in a minute because I just love that uh, statement that you'd made previously to us hitting the record button. But before we do so, I just wanted to hit you up and ask you, in the 10 years that you've been an entrepreneur in a couple different businesses now, what would you say are the three most important things that every entrepreneur really needs to know? Oh, Lance, I love this question so much. And I have to tell you that it is probably one of my favorite parts about your podcast is just even if even if I only have like three to five minutes in the morning uh, to listen to a podcast, just listening to those first few those those first few answers from the entrepreneurs you interview is so motivating. And it's so fun to hear what everyone has to say. Um, awesome. so I lo love this question and appreciate being asked it. Um, I would start with actually saying that while I think failure is such an important part of being an entrepreneur, especially yeah. in a startup environment, I would argue that instead of embracing failure and instead of accepting failure, what we really should do is reframe success. Oh. So we can say that, you know, hiring the wrong person was a failure, or we can say that identifying that that was the wrong person and moving them along as quickly as possible, that that's a success. Or yes. you could say that, you know, finding three ways to try to do something and the first two failing is a fail. Those were failures. Or you could say that those were marks along the path to success, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think redefining what success is, is, is something that's so important as an entrepreneur. Yeah, then, I like that. I like that a lot because it's all about that positive frame of mind that we need yeah. as entrepreneurs because there are so many things that are going to be setbacks along the way or challenges or things where it's like, oh man, I really wish I would have done that differently, right? Yeah. But there's always an incredible lesson in that and we can grow from that so much. So yeah, successes. Okay, yes. love it. And I love, I love what you just said, because that actually segues so well into my next one, which is that being an entrepreneur is so, so hard. I mean, it requires yeah. a massive amount of grit and it's inherently risky. And hmm. yet all the studies about, you know, great culture and effective teams would tell you that the number one thing that your, your teams and your culture needs in order to be successful is this feeling of psychological safety, but like being an entrepreneur is inherently risky. Yes. And so I think <clears throat> finding a way to create that psychological safety for your team by doing things like redefining success and making sure that everyone feels like they're a part of uh, contributing to the success of the team and they know where they're going and what they're doing, just creating that, that, that true team environment and that psychological safety, I think is the second thing that I think every entrepreneur really mm. needs to embrace because of the inherent risks of, of entrepreneurialism. So, yeah, man, it is definitely risky and, uh, and, and you're right, right? Like there's so many things that we're, that we're having to navigate that are new first time things. And that's just mm -hmm. automatically risky no matter yeah. what. Yeah. 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 And then I think for me, the third thing is surrounding yourself with the right people and mm -hmm. determining what right means for you as an entrepreneur. A lot of times you don't have an unlimited source of money or even 
unlimited recurring revenue. So you have to be really strategic in how many people you bring on and who those people are. And for me, it's not about surrounding myself with the smartest person in the world or the most accomplished person in the world. But for me, as an entrepreneur, the number one key trait that I need in the people that I surround myself with is commitment. And Mm -hmm. finding those people who are truly committed to creating success and being a part of this team, that 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 inherent trait of a human in and of itself is what really helps push new businesses and startups and, and creates that entrepreneurial environment for success. Yeah. I, I like where you're going with this because, and I haven't had, I don't think in like the 260 odd episodes that we've done, I don't think I've had anybody really zero in on commitment as being that core value, but you're right because there's so many other things that really springboard out of that. Uh, because if they're committed to the business and trying to grow the business, they're going to be, you know, the work ethic is going to be there. They're going to yeah. be working their butts off trying to achieve whatever those goals are. Uh, they're also going to probably be trying to learn as much as they can to be experts in uh, or more expert within the field and within the area that you need them to be operating within, within your business. Um, they're also going to be looking at customer service in a much different way or processes internally, right? In a much different way, because they're, they're, they're kind of almost like a state, like they they have a stake in it. If they're committed, they're, they're, they, they really feel themselves as being part of it. So yeah, there's so many things I think that commitment really does uh, encompass. So I really like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I agree. I think it, <clears throat> it's almost like surrounding yourself with a ton of other entrepreneurs, right? So if they're yeah. all embracing that that commitment and passion for what it is that you're doing, exactly like you said, it's going to bleed into so many other areas. Um, and it's for me, it's just worked so incredibly well um, with my teams. So, so how do you, uh, just before we get into what it is that you do and what your business is, how do you, um, I guess, elicit that level of commitment that you want within the team? What's the secret there? Obviously, from a recruiting standpoint, you're probably being really careful as you screen the applicants. But but when they're in there, in your business, how do you foster this this commitment, I guess, uh, amongst everybody? Yeah, I think that's such a good question. And I will say that taking a step back a, a little bit, um, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur or small company, you don't have all the resources to do this like immense amount of screening. And you also don't have like the backup team to cover for, for any downtime when you don't have the right person. So yeah. I, I take a slightly controversial approach to this, which I believe in hiring fast and firing fast. So mm. I personally think that Unless you are, you know, one of the Fortune 500 companies who dumps a massive amount of money into all of the testing for team members and to make sure that they're the right fit for the right team. I truly believe that it's kind of a 50-50 shot when you hire someone. Hmm. So just make the decision, use your gut, make the decision, like try to figure out if they do have that level of commitment and passion for what you're doing and trust your gut, make the hiring decision. But then really spend as much time as you can with that new person as as much as possible on the front end and figure out if they're the right fit as quickly as possible. Give them all the tools, all the resources, all the support to be successful. But if they're not, 
accept that as quickly as possible and then move them along. And I'm a firm believer that the only way to truly reward your overachievers is by not burdening them with underachievers. So you have to accept it and just move them along as quickly as possible. And I think for us, I think for us, that's how, that's how we foster that commitment. So we, we reward our overachievers by never surrounding them with underachievers. And that just like raises the bar for the whole company. And everyone feels committed to what we're doing because we are, because we're so passionate about that. Yeah. So, okay. So entrepreneurs who are listening right now, I really want you to take note of this, not burdening your overachievers with the underachievers. This is such a critical thing. And and so we are as entrepreneurs, I think, or as managers, just in general, people managers, I think that we always are um, approaching our team the ones who are struggling, the ones who are underachieving with um, extra kid gloves at times. Yeah. And it's, I think it's natural because the reason why we hired them is because we saw a spark in them. We saw something. We saw that they could do the job. And mm-hmm. so we are um, always kind of in their corner as the cheerleader. But then I think there's also something that kicks in too from uh, an ego perspective a little bit, uh, I suppose. Um, and that is, well, I hired the person. I can't yeah. be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that, they, they must actually, that person that we wanted that I thought is in there is in there somewhere. So I'm, I'm not doing a very good job. And maybe imposter syndrome kicks in. I'm not doing a very good job as being the manager of this person. I need to be working and supporting them more because, uh, they obviously had the abilities. I'm just not getting it out of them. So that's a me problem, not a them problem. Yeah. Um, And so it's really difficult to do the fire fast, I think. But the consequence of that is you're right. Those overachievers that you want to keep on your team, that you want them to not be burdened um, and just feeling that everybody is is going in the same direction and pulling their own weight. They have to do extra because of those underachievers. So get rid of that dead weight as quick as you can, I guess. Right. Yes. I love everything you said so much. And the way, one of the ways that we combat that is we talk about it all the time. In fact, one of the core values at almost every company I've ever had the privilege of leading is moving people along, like just identifying that super quickly and acknowledging that hiring is a 50, 50 game. If you acknowledge that you can help kind of reduce that pressure on your ego and just realize it's not And it's not something you can always control, but I love everything you said about that. And I just think it's so, so important to morale and happiness and success that you, that you don't spend, you know, 80% of your time on the bottom 10%. And I think that's what we as leaders tend to do when we're trying to force something to work that just isn't working. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, then not to mention then the potential failures that come along with some of the underperformers, right? And so then you have mm-hmm. consequences to your client satisfaction and, and so on. Yes. So yeah, there's just all sorts of problems. Okay. So let's get into Fortress then. So what is Fortress? What is it that you're trying to accomplish over there? Um, who are you helping? Yeah. So um, Fortress is a a software solution that is built to help property management companies manage their assets and create this level of efficiency and digital transformation in managing their real estate assets that just hasn't existed to date. And 
I will tell you that the reason Fortress exists um, is that my my first um, foray into being an entrepreneur started about um, 10 years ago. I had been with a real estate company for about a year and we uh, found ourselves managing a 5,000 unit property management company and it wasn't going very well. Um, my business partners, knowing that I was a, a bit of a troublemaker, um, asked me to step in and figure out what was going on and see if there was a way to scale it, make it successful. Or in the alternative, they knew that I would be honest enough with them to tell them it wasn't going to work and that maybe we should uh, move on from that business. But I ended up uh, spending the next five years growing that 5,000 unit company to about 27,000 units under management. And I think a huge part of that was due to the fact that I realized the software we were using was terrible. I mean, it was it was holding us back and not helping us. And we were paying a ton of money to be held back. Um, so we ended up building Fortress to solve the problem for us. And it, it did and led to a massive amount of success for that that property management company. And now we're excited to share it. Really cool. Okay, so the software is a better tool to manage properties if you're a property management company then, exactly. right? So so you found a need uh, within the business that you had uh, that you were operating. There was a gap. You couldn't find a solution for it, so you built your own. A classic yes. entrepreneurial story, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so now that is really interesting. Now, the thing about, I think, as well that's interesting with your story is that you had this built-in incubator your uh, property management business to really do all your development work with regard to the new product the software fortress so um this, did that make it a much easier for you to have that incubation and what advice would you give to other people out there who are trying to do something similar, similar in the sense where they're trying to find a software solution or develop a software solution for a problem that they've experienced or that they think the marketplace needs. So that incubation aspect of it. Yeah. I think that the incubation aspect of it is a huge reason why Fortress is so successful. And there are a lot of things that go into that. First and foremost being I had a paying client, right? So obviously that's a huge part of becoming a successful entrepreneur is finding your first paid client, getting someone to pay you for what you're doing. Um, so obviously that was just an intrinsic part of us becoming successful early on. But it was so much more than that. It was about having an in an inherent champion, someone who was excited about using the solution, who was excited about collaborating on what to build next and how to build it and how it could be most successful. And for us, having that champion in that property management company was huge. And then as we as we both you know, experienced growth and success from the product, whether that was me fortress as the product or them using the product and their, their owners loving the product, their, their clients loving it, their employees loving it so that they were reducing turnover. Like experiencing that joint success was just, especially early on when, when times are hard because you're still trying to even complete the product and, you're still just trying to figure it out. So when times are hard, having that partner and that champion is just invaluable. And <clears throat> what we've done, honestly, is as we've continued to sell Fortress outside of that, that incubator, we've treated all of our partners 
every single partner that we bring on in the same way. In fact, we even mm-hmm. offer them opportunities to invest in Fortress. We want them to feel like they're true partners with us because we've mm-hmm. experienced how incredible that was. Well, that's good. Yeah. And so, then I think, oh, go ahead. So I was just going to just probe a little deeper into the incubation part of it because yeah. like for other people who don't have that, that ability for, to be building this within the company that is experiencing the problem, what, like, how do they find a champion? Like, um, because in a lot of circumstances, they're looking at the problem from the outside as opposed to internally. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's such a great question. And I, I strongly encourage, well, actually I'll take a step back. Anytime an entrepreneur is wanting to start a company or build something, you see a problem, right? We see problems and uh, entrepreneurs are just so well known for, which is why I call myself a troublemaker, just so well known for like seeing a problem and just trying to fix it no matter the cost. (laughs) We just know, you know, no matter who we frustrate or who we annoy or how much digging we do, um, we see a problem, we want to fix it. So even if you're not experiencing that problem, right, even if you weren't running the property management company, but you see that there's an opportunity in the market, you see the problem, you want to fix it. If you can't find a company in your industry, any industry, if you can't find a company who sees that same problem as you, you probably shouldn't be building the product anyway or starting the company anyway. But if you can, and really you should be able to, I mean, we have the United States is and, and Canada both experience conferences all the time. There are conferences all over the place. Companies are spending thousands of dollars to go to conferences to learn about new things, to try to find new and innovative ways to run their businesses and to experience the, the corporate atmosphere. And so go to those conferences and find someone who feels that same pain point and let your ego down for a second. Give them a massive stake in your business. Like you'd mm. much, I'd much rather have fifty percent of a billion dollar company than a hundred percent of a you know company that's not worth anything that no one's using. So like yeah. let your ego down. Give them a massive part of your business. Get be, create that partnership with them. That true partnership where you're sharing in the wins, and and I I guarantee you that someone out there is wanting to experience that with you, who feels that same pain point, wants to be a part of solving it and would love to, to be that partner to you. And I can say that because outside of my, my primary incubator, all of my partners, all of the Fortress clients today are still at that, that partnership level with us. They still want to be almost continued sources of incubation for us. Um, so I know that those companies are out there and I would encourage any entrepreneur who sees that pain point Go find one of those companies and convince them that you can help them fix that pain point. Give up a part of your company and then go be successful together. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. I really like that approach because it is so much easier to be doing it like product development from within a company that's implementing that software than it is from the outside. Uh, You're... um, the the time from you know start to completion of that software is going to be just accelerated so much because you're going to get the right tools you're not going to go off on some sort of tangent so creating things that are nice to haves or things that you think that the market might want instead you're just doing the things that are needed internally and those internal partners are going to be the ones that are going to give you the most honest feedback as well right in terms of like no don't don't put that on the product roadmap you've got these other 20 things that are way more important for us to be uh fixing first right yeah i mean 100 percent. the 
our one of our primary goals at Fortress mm-hmm. is to whittle down a feature or a thought or a solution as small as physically possible and then get it into the hands of a user because you have no idea what you don't know and you have no idea where that feature really needs to go until someone actually starts using it. And yep. you have to have a true partner in order to be able to give them, you know, a very, very small portion of a feature and ask them to use it and test it. And it's not always easy, but um, the value that comes along with it. I mean, it's, it's why in software there's a, you know, I mean, there's a whole methodology of agile development around it. It's insanely successful. Yeah. Yeah. So now speaking of, you know, software development and, and so on, and you speak very eloquently about all this, uh, you know, obviously you, you have a lot of experience in it now, but that wasn't always the case. So your background was neither in property management or real estate or anything like that, nor was it in technology or software, right? So how did you find yourself in this position? I'd love to go back to, you know, I guess, what brought you to this point? Yes. So I think this is always a really interesting conversation. My um, background and where I started is it's, it's, I call it a little chaotic. Um, Some people think that it's, it's impressive. It's definitely unique. That's what I will say. Um, But I honestly, I'm, I'm a, I'm a nerd at heart. Um, I uh, graduated undergrad, my accounting degree, ended up going to law school immediately after, um, actually really wanted to practice international law with the army. Um, I, I joined the military my second year, well, at the end of my first year of law school, um, spent a summer working at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Um, not one of the nicest places in the U S but I loved every second of it. Um, so I ended up contracting into the army and, Then my second summer of law school, I uh, spent at Fort Knox going through kind of like an officer uh, boot camp. And unfortunately, I ended up breaking both of my feet uh, while I was there. And uh, I wish I had some like cool story, like I was jumping out (laughs) of a helicopter or something. I don't. (laughs) I I don't. Just walking too much in military boots. I don't know. But um, (laughs) It's, it was unfortunate. I ended up um, receiving a, a medical release from my contract with the army because my, my, the bone in my foot kept breaking over and over again. And so um, oh, okay. I, but I graduated law school. And when I did, my um, husband was actually working for, he had spent time in the army, which is part of what pushed me in that direction. Although I'm just a generally very service-based philanthropic human, but my husband was working for a department of state contractor in Iraq and they were looking for someone to come in and handle their in-country accounting. And given my, my background and my security clearances and everything, they hired me. So I went and worked in Iraq in Baghdad uh, with my husband for about a year and uh, did all their in-country accounting, um, some HR logistics, those sorts of things. And it was really a an incredible experience. Um, my husband and I actually lived in a Connex box together, so a shipping container together for the first year of our marriage. <laughs> was, hey, tiny like, home living right there. <laughs> yes. I was like, well, if we can make it through this. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're still going strong. But um, so I ended up um, staying there for about a year. And then 
uh, we found out while I was there that we were going to have our first child. So I came, um, came home and after I had my son, I, I passed the bar exam. And after I had my son, I wasn't really sure exactly that I wanted to go into a big law firm and work 70, 90 hours a week at that point. Um, yeah. so I ended up leaning back into accounting and I had my first experience in sales. I was a, a headhunter recruiter for controller CFO type positions. And fast forward a, a, a year or so, and that's when the Elmington, the original founding Elmington partners of the real estate company I joined 11 years ago, were looking for a controller accounting manager to come in and manage the um, assets that they were buying. It was just the four partners at the very beginning. And they, um, I was trying to place someone with them and the energy was just there. Um, they, they were so passionate and such overachievers and they were so committed and driven to creating success. They didn't know exactly what that looked like just yet, but I was just drawn to that energy and absolutely one of the best decisions in my life. So I ended up um, joining that team 11 years ago. And I think the thing that I will say is that I was so scared to take that opportunity because I didn't know anything about real estate. Yeah. And I, they also were a super entrepreneurial company. It was just the four partners. They were operating out of this really small, awkward office space. In fact, I ended up, I had to work in one of their closets, in one of their office closets. <laughs> From shipping container to closet. <laughs> yes, yes. I am. Um, but I, I, I guess the thing that you can take from that is that um, I'm always open to a new challenge, to a new opportunity. And I think that that, um, that kind of, you know, like, you just have to jump at those opportunities when they come. You might not be exactly sure, but if you feel good about it in your gut and you know that it's a unique experience that you may never have again, like go for it. Like take the chance on yourself. And um, and I think that probably leans into just my entrepreneurial spirit in general. But yeah. Oh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great story. Great background. Um, and it is so interesting, you know, just where we end up in our journeys, right? The places where we never would have thought. Um, and there's so many people that I've interviewed who their background has nothing to do with what their business is, but they, yeah. you know, somehow stumbled into it or identified a need or were brought in by somebody else. And, and then boom, uh, the magic hits, right. And, and, uh, off to the races, they go building an incredible business. So that's really cool. Now I, I would also like to talk a little bit more about the people aspect of your business. And, and, you know, you were talking about just how critical it is to have the right people in your business. But from what I understand, um, you have quite a focus on diversity as well. So speak to me a little bit about what does that mean and what does diversity in the workplace mean to you? And then what the benefits are that you gain from that? Yeah, um, diversity is incredibly important to me. And I think it first started to stem from a, a bit of a uncomfortability and maybe even a feeling of a slight unfairness. And this goes, this, you know, takes a little bit of an egotistical turn and I can, I I'm big enough to acknowledge that, but, you know, constantly being the only female at the table, it happened a lot for me um, mm -hmm. throughout my life and obviously insanely fortunate. So I'm, I'm not here to complain about that, but from a, 
human perspective, it just didn't feel right. And I, I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of people who had a lot of the same opinions and same experiences and backgrounds. And so when I came to the table and mine were very different, it was enlightening to me and put this, this just feeling in the back of my head that I wanted more different opinions because I, I'm, I personally love uh, difficult conversations. I love healthy conflict. I really, really enjoy the the process and almost the agony and the angst of getting to an amazing decision. And mm-hmm. I think the only way that that happens is if you have people in the room who have different perspectives, different experiences. And I, so I've, I've really made it a part of my personal leadership style, my personal mission to ensure that there is diversity throughout my entire company um, from top to bottom, that we are embracing the value of the different experiences and backgrounds and types of people and cultures and those sorts of things. So um, it's, it's just been something that I've seen, you know, I mean, you can read all the statistics, right? The DEI initiatives that exist today for companies that prove out the value, the the dollar, the tangible dollar values um, to having diversity on your team. But I think it's totally different when you actually experience it, when you sit in a room with three to five other people who have very different backgrounds, very different experiences. Maybe they don't even know what living in an apartment means because they're from a country who they and they never had that experience. Um, and yep. we do Fortress employees, team members worldwide. Um, but having that person in the room challenge something that you took for granted um, and then coming up with a better solution because of that is just, it's a surreal experience. So Mm. not only do we focus on diversity for those reasons, we also encourage our team and almost enforce our team um, to use their voices. Like if you're in a meeting and you haven't said something, we will it will be mentioned, like it will be asked that you contribute to the conversation and yep. that we really want to hear your opinion. And I constantly tell the team healthy debate and like arguing with each other and taking sides is so healthy. Like we should find a way to really enjoy those sorts of conversations because it creates really special outputs. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. And I echo that. Our our company is also extremely, extremely diverse. We have you know, just about every color of person, every uh, ethnic background and uh, and geographical disbursement too now in this uh, era of working from home. And so we have people working for us all around the globe now. And it is really, really interesting um, how that has uh, impacted just the types of ideas that we come up with within the company. Um, I, I find we're much more creative and we're a creative company. And so we need that. We rely on that creativity of, of our people. And I find that that collision of all these different cultures and backgrounds and, and genders and so on, like it just really does create a much more uh, creative and, and safe place in a lot of respect too, for people to express themselves um, and, and, you know, step out on the, on a limb a little bit uh, when they are trying to be, you know, push that creativity a little bit further. So yeah, I, I really embrace it. And I think that it's, it's wonderful. And I, and I think that it's really uh, difficult, I think nowadays to run a business that does not embrace that. It's almost uh, like, I can't imagine anyway, our business being different. Yeah, I agree. And I love what you said about creating that safe space. I, I think that if you're, you know, one, 
in a room of five and the other four all look alike, that it's really hard to feel safe if, if yeah. you don't look like everybody else. But if you're one in a room of five and everyone looks different, then it does, it creates that psychological safety immediate or a higher level of psychological safety immediately. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, okay. So I'm really curious because this wasn't your background. Um, you've been doing this now for 10 years, been in real estate and now tech. Um, what would you say to your younger entrepreneurial self? So if you could go back in time or send a letter back in time to say 10 years ago, what would you tell Carrie? I love this question too, because I think that introspectively reviewing, you know, what you have done really well and maybe what you haven't done as well or what what you could have been better at is just so so important and i will say this leans in a lot uh to my current self and my slightly granola self today which i was not at all um 10 15 20 years ago i will say that i have learned that it is so important to just calm down so i am a type a super passionate, super aggressive, highly opinionated, like just feel compelled to constantly be doing and taking action and being efficient. Right. But at the same time, if you can just, instead of reacting to everything, take a pause and respond to things, right. If you can find that calm and that peace and that space in your brain, then you can actually be so much more effective. People enjoy working with you more. You can create higher levels of success. You're working smarter and not harder, especially as we all start to mature and realize that we want to have time to spend with our families and we don't always want to work 80 to 90 hours a week. And that's not necessarily satisfaction. And I think just calming down. So for me, like meditation has taught me so, so much. And if I could, if I don't, I'm not a regrets type person, but if I could go back, I would give myself that space of mind and the ability to stop and respond rather than react. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's really great advice for all of us. Right. Um, Yeah. Take a beat. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it doesn't have to be something that you react to immediately. There's always, always time, um, especially in the difficult moments, right? Because it always feels like, you know, when, when there's a problem happening, that it's kind of feels epic. It feels like it's going to be the end of the world or something, you know, it's, it's just so impactful to the business at the moment, it feels like, but in retrospect, it's just a tiny speed bump usually. Right. So, so even in the toughest of moments, if you can take that beat and just put everything into perspective and then respond, I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate your time today and for you sharing your story and some of the things you've learned along your journey uh, with our audience. If somebody wanted to reach out and connect with you, where do we send them? Yeah. So I would send them to our website. So fortresstech.io. We actually have a form on there that you can fill out and more than um, happy for you to specifically mention connecting with me. Um, And then also on LinkedIn. Um, I am pretty active on LinkedIn. So um, definitely connect with me on there as well. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, everybody. Another entrepreneur that has had an incredible story here for all of us to learn from. So thank you again so much, Carrie. And if you are 
excited and interested in learning about more entrepreneur stories, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find the archive. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do so to our podcast or audio version so you don't miss anything. And just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform. You're going to be able to find us there as well. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day.